Good evening, and welcome to Midnight Audio Theater, the weekly show where we feature new and original audio dramas, be they adventure, mystery, sci-fi, or comedy. I'm your host, Kathy Rinella. And we're back. We are in the middle of our spooky selections for October, and is traditional for MAT. Tonight will be our last set of scary stories for the month. Next week, we'll be treated to a Halloween special of original works put together by local show The Craft and host Doug Dangler. Doug always brings a healthy dose of suspense and horror to the special with local productions and writings. So look forward to that next week and check out crafttheshow.com. As for tonight, we are bringing you stories with nods to the greats. We've got Campfire Radio Theater waiting in the wings with a new story debut just in time for Halloween. But first up is one more visit to the asylum with Poe Theater on the air. Poe Theater has been bringing to life the works of Edgar Allan Poe on the stage, in education classes, and on air in podcast form for the last 18 months. In that short time, they've been recognized on several occasions for their dedication to Poe and his works, including live performances to benefit Baltimore's Poe House and Museum, a broadcast on BBC Suffolk, and being selected as part of the Library of Congress's Podcast Preservation Project. In addition, two of their programs will be played with video talkback as part of a COVID-safe theatrical experience in Norwich, England. If you happen to live in England, that will be taking place on November 19th, so don't miss it. Congrats to Poe Theater on the air for all of their hard work in reimagining Poe in the new storytelling avenues. And thank you for letting us enjoy one more taste of it tonight. Last week, we heard the strange case of Monsieur Valdemar. And this show, our host, Dr. Mallard, leads us to another patient's room to meet an artist who finds himself haunted by the Oval Portrait. Prepare yourself for suspense and enjoy. It's time. You're listening to the National Edgar Allan Poe Theater on the Air. Sponsored in part by Baltimore's own Raven Beer, this ongoing series brings to your ears the best-known works from America's revered grandfather of horror and suspense. From room to room in the asylum of the mysterious Dr. Mallard, Poe's wretched souls describe their awful tales while they await the doctor's revolutionary system to treat and cure the mentally crippled. In today's episode, the National Edgar Allan Poe Theater on the Air takes on Poe's tale of what happens when obsession meets the creative impulse, the Oval Portrait. In our last episode, The Facts in the Case of Monsieur Valdemar, we found ourselves learning firsthand the awful consequences of trying to cheat death. What is happening? I command you to abandon your mesmeric state. The room, the room is shaking. Valdemar, you will awaken. What is happening to his body? Now, Professor Mallard leads us down the hall for a conversation with another of his children. Please, this way, meet my next child, a melancholy case, I warn you, a great artist, truly great. He enjoyed most notable success, but an appalling incident occurred and his great renown disintegrated into notoriety. Maybe you read of it in the journals or newspapers? No? 
Never mind. I didn't know anything of him either until he was delivered to my institution in the black of night to remain here incognito. Oh, but I am getting ahead of myself. You may not be aware of the appalling incident that surrounds our artistic genius, but you are nonetheless a person of the most refined cultural taste, I imagine. Am I correct? You are an aficionado of the arts, music, poetry, fine romantic novel. And what are the Bell's arts? Sculpture carved in Carrara marble, wrought in potent bronze, paintings of landscapes, equestrian subjects, bucolic idols, yes? How about... Portraiture. Good evening. Mm. Are we disturbing the great artist at work? Please, doctor, do not mock me. You know I cannot paint anymore. So you say. I've brought someone to see you. Who is it? An aficionado of my past work? No, no. On the contrary, an aficionado of my work. A convert to my system. A witness to my advances in the correction of the mind. I am not an exhibit. Oh, but you are, dear chap. For the moment, at least portrait of the artist who has lost his genius. This is something I cannot believe. Look at your hands, dear boy. Stand up. Show our visitor. Behold a great artist's hands, full of life and vigor, so fascinating to behold. The strength in the grasp and the stillness in his eye. Touch his hand. Go on. You see? There's nothing wrong with him, physiologically speaking. Ah, there's the rum. I... I cannot bring myself to... To create. Oh, but it would do you the world of good. I provide you with plentiful paper and pencils, canvases and oils, brushes made from sable hair and hog bristles, all at my own considerable expense, I must add. And look, today I've brought some fruit for you to paint and uh, some fading flowers. The days of my constant commissions are over. I deserve no better. I am no longer the artist that I was. Now, now, let us not despair. I was lionized and celebrated. If the world knew you were here, there would be a line around the block of people to see you. Really? Yes, of course. To see how far the mighty can fall. Dr. Mallard. I'm sorry, that was callous, but under my care we will restore you to the heights of fame. Your former masterpieces still command a considerable sum, I understand. Past works, which will increase in value when I am deceased. Now, now, what tosh... You shall paint again. Riches shall be yours. But what is money? What is value? When the truth hangs over me eternally, I would that I were dead. Ah, behold. The very picture of melancholy. Utterly fascinating, is it not? I mean it, doctor. Give me a a, a prescription, a drug, something, a curative, anything to free me from this life of torment. Now, 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 we'll have none of that. Thank you very much. Rather, take this charcoal pencil, take this sheet of paper, and draw. Very well. I will try. Place the flowers beside the fruit. No, good grief, no, not like that. Uh, Permit me. There. And this here. Ah, yes. That is better. Did I not tell you he was a genius? Even the way the man arranges some fruit and flowers. Genius! Isn't it? Uh, Doctor, I'm not sure if I can... Steal yourself and try. Very well. I trust you, Doctor. I do trust you. Good, good. As if he had any choice. (laughs) You see, genius. But I know nothing of art. What about you? Do you approve? Is this genius? 
the shape and form of the fruit, the curve of the dying flowers. They vivify, they astonish, and all in the monochrome of charcoal on paper. There. A simple sketch, just a still life. But the true picture is the smile on your face. Really? Yes. <laughs> yes, uh, I understand. It has changed your palette, my dear boy. A faint touch of rose red blooms on the pallid gray of your cheeks. I am delighted. In a madman's cell, but free. Wonderful! Thank you, doctor. And now, another one. Another piece of paper. Yes. Yes, what subject? Uh, the bed and chair. The bars on my window and the moon beyond. Oh, the petals that have since fallen from the flower heads? No. How about our guest? I fail to understand. Our honored guest. What? How about a portrait? No. <laughs> no. Yes, yes. Like your greatest masterpiece, the portrait of your beloved wife. <laughs> Oh, dear. I feel no. this might happen. Calm yourself. Calm yourself. It is essential that you calm yourself. Oh, doctor. Help me. Help me. There, there. Take a moment. Reflect. Breathe. Good. Why don't you tell our guest your story? I cannot face it. I cannot look upon that memory. Nonsense. Besides, you will have to one day, sooner or later. No. I want to be blind to that memory. Be brave and tell our visitor about the last portrait, the one that brought you to me. Tell the tale of the last portrait, the portrait of your wife, the oval portrait. Ah, is it you, my dear? Yes, my darling. Just looking in on you, you've been at it so long. Well, you're just in time. I do believe I am about to finish... Uh, one final dab upon the cheek, and voila, tis done. Tis complete. Ah, oh, what fine work. You think so? Yes, your finest yet. You met the young lady who was the subject of this portrait. Did I capture her essence? Always, always, my dear. You capture for all time a moment of truth. Not some daubing on a flat canvas, but a captured figure who seems alive for all time, in reality and in truth. She will live and breathe now for eternity. Well, that is why they come to me, I suppose. My patrons, the commissions. But you never flatter. Oh, pander to their vanity? No, I couldn't. That's why you are the best. Sometimes they don't even see themselves for what they are. But you always do. They don't see themselves. I just paint the truth. Why cannot some people see it for themselves? I paint what is plainly before me, my love. There is nothing plain about your art, dear husband. You are incisive, like a surgeon. Oh, you make me sound cruel. Never. Can the truth ever be cruel? But I just paint their portraits. I do no harm. Precisely. But you show the truth to the world. How so? Look at the portrait you've just finished. This young lady, beautiful like a Venus in vermilion, but her eyes yield a sorrow, very slightly, a gleam of sorrow, of melancholy, a picture of joy, of love but also sadness beneath the surface. You do more than put pigment onto paper, color onto canvas, husband dear. I just paint what I see, nothing more, nothing less. The truth? I think you are approaching the height of your powers. You think so? Yes, I certainly do. You may be right. I have never known my brush to flow so freely. Never found it so easy to find the correct curve and arc of the charcoal and sweep of the brush. <laughs> 
Perhaps I am approaching my masterpiece. Yes, yes, I think you are. Really? Why, then, I know who I must paint. Who, my dear? Why, my muse, my angel, my life's delight. I must paint you. Me? Are you sure? Yes. Isn't it curious that I have never painted you? Most artists do paint their lovers. <laughs> and even their wives. <laughs> you are faithful as much as truthful. Perhaps there is a reason why you have never asked to paint me. Choosing my moment. To be at the height of my powers. And you tell me that I am. And I will be the subject of truth. Yes. Yes, the working title. Picture of the truth. And it shall be you, my muse, my love. Your wife adored you, did she not? Yes, and I her. It's most interesting. She was, in fact, an assiduous writer. After the incident, her notebooks were found. She detailed her husband's work like an annotated catalogue. Charming. She did so meticulously. Technique and meaning, she deciphered it all. The truth, her favorite word. She was a formidable art critic, it would seem. She understood me, Doctor. Not some quack like you. Oh, a quack, is it? Oh, yes. I wish you would let me paint you, you charlatan. Very well. I defy you to do it. Here, take the paper and begin. Oh, I shall paint you completely. A puffed-up poppin'jay, a medicine man, snake oil, salesman, uh, 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 jack and ape. Uh, I'm waiting uh, for my portrait. Uh, I... Uh, and don't forget, if you require some inspiration, I have something in my study. Never forget that I own the oval portrait, the portrait of your wife. There we are. Now sit comfortably, my love, and I shall begin. Now, which canvas shall we use? Ah, yes, here. For you, we shall use an oval canvas. I have never seen you undertake an oval portrait before. Indeed. For my masterpiece, The Portrait of Truth, you will be the subject of the first oval portrait in the collection. Perhaps the only one. I... Oh, I, I am nervous. It feels auspicious. I shall begin. Should we stop? You must be tired. We have worked all day and half the night. No, no. Keep going. You look pale and hungry, but I am glad you have said that. We pursue the truth. We are stepping beyond trivialities and common cares. Create, my love, create. The truth awaits us. My understanding is that it was the most challenging painting he had undertaken. I feel so close, and yet... Then carry on, my love. He slaved like a Michelangelo, creating the uh, moaning Lisa or a Leonardo da Vinci carving David. Your essence still eludes me. I shall sit here until you capture it. Days of sitting, days of drafting and redrafting, days turned into weeks. They shut up the doors and windows. He worked by the glimpses of sunlight that penetrated the studio from dawn to twilight, and then candles all through the night. Are you not tired or hungry? No more than you, dear. And he rejected all commissions. They began to live off bread and water. A bit longer, I am certain. I shall be as quiet as 
the church mass. Was she a good model, maestro? Did she sit still and quietly, never a twitch, a tick, or a cough? Never a spasm of cramp. Do not torment me, doctor. No, 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 no. We are talking about your masterpiece. If you must know, she was a marvel. She worked as hard as me in the creation of the painting. Me, the artist. She, the sitter. Our joint creative energies. A focus on the truth. <laughs> Why do you laugh at me, doctor? Oh, I could never resist a little irony. It always tickles me. <laughs> Tell our guest what happened. After weeks of torment. Sublime torment. The quest for perfection. The pursuit of the truth. We worked a particularly long, long day. We're both silent as I approached the end of the execution. I do believe I have done it. We have done it. The most truthful painting of all. A masterpiece. <laughs> A masterpiece. The greatest portrait of the truth in all art. And your expression now. The very expression which permitted me the final touch, it captures everything. The vivacity of human nature, the profundity of love, eternal passion, eternal beauty, eternal life. I behold it all. I see the truth. Come, my dear, behold the portrait. Come and see yourself. A triumph. Come and behold the, the truth. My love? My love? Now, now, my love, speak to me. Do you sicken? My love? She was dead, you see. Who knows how long, sometime the day before, in all likelihood. <laughs> but the irony, the delicious irony. No. Do not torment me. I can't help it. <laughs> you thought she was the <laughs> vivacity of human nature, the profundity of love, eternal passion, eternal beauty, eternal life. <laughs> but she was dead. <laughs> and you didn't even know it. You, the great artist, doesn't know a corpse when you've been staring at one all day. Yet the flies that began to buzz around her knew it better than you. There's the truth for you. Oh, medicine man, how can you possibly understand? What dost thou know of art? Ha! Even you comprehend that in the depths of the uncultivated ignorance of your Philistine mind. No, maestro, no. You fail to understand something. I own the portrait, the marvelous oval painting. I look at it often, every day, in fact. It adorns my study wall, portrait of the truth scrawled beneath it. A lady, doubtlessly at one time most beautiful, but it is very clear, most evident, undeniable to anyone with eyes to see that she is dead, and it is the portrait of a corpse. No! <laughs> Remarkable, isn't it? A genius who doesn't know a corpse as he watches one adoringly for hours. But I suspect you've tired of his genius. The melancholic spirit of the artist is rather wearing, is it not? But I have good news. I have more children to show you. 
Perhaps when he is cured, he will indeed paint portraits again. You recall he threatened to paint me. A portrait of me does have some appeal. Perhaps I could mount it in the study, beside the portrait of that dead lady. Or maybe it would be more becoming in the entrance hall. The first thing you see, a testament to my method. That will inspire me to cure him. Let us depart. I hope you're not tiring. The best is yet to come. It will convince you completely of the validity of my method. This way. Follow me. You've been listening to the National Edgar Allan Poe Theater on the Air and our production of The Oval Portrait, adapted for radio by Richard J. Hatton. The Oval Portrait was directed by Alex Zavistovich and produced by Ty Ford with the voices of Brian McDonald, Io Smith, and Alex Zavistovich. Poe Theater on the Air, theme by Greg Martin. The National Edgar Allan Poe Theater on the Air is sponsored in part by Baltimore's own Raven Beer, purveyors of Poe-inspired craft beer. More information can be found on the web at ravenbeer.com. More information on the National Edgar Allan Poe Theater on the Air can be found at poetheater.org. Until next time, this is Alex Avistovich reminding you that all that we see or see is but a dream within a dream. Again, that was The Oval Portrait, an adaptation of Edgar Allan Poe by the National Edgar Allan Poe Theater. For more information and spooky stories, visit poetheater.org. And now, after a visit to Poe, we have a nod to Arch Obler in Campfire Radio Theater's newest release, The Thing on the Ground Floor. A two-part story, we have part one for you tonight, as we follow a production crew on the law enforcement reality show, Busted, and the horrors they uncover on what should have been a routine Halloween night shift. With a notable cast of actors from the audio drama community and impeccable music by Kevin Hartnell, Campfire Radio never fails to disappoint in their spooky storytelling. With part two being released near Halloween next week, we wanted to help herald in the upcoming release by sharing the first part of it with you tonight, and hopefully leaving you eagerly awaiting part two online. A content warning to all listeners. The following story contains explosions and frightening situations. Listener discretion is advised. Now it's time to discover what exactly is the thing on the ground floor. Enjoy. Good evening, Campfire listeners. I'm John Ballantyne, producer and creator of this little theater of the mind exercise we call Campfire Radio Theater. I hope you're having a safe and enjoyable October. As you know, it's one of our favorite times of the year. I'm often asked for recommendations for spooky listening during this season. So I wanted to take this opportunity to mention a really terrific podcast that is very much in the same spirit of spooky storytelling as we indulge in. And that's the creepy podcast, helmed by the very talented John Grills. Now, John is a, he's a creative guy. He's always been a friend and fan of our show. And he really does the creepypasta thing better than anybody that I know of. But they also have begun to feature original stories by some very talented young writers. This month, Creepypod is doing 31 Days of Horror. You can tune in every day 
and catch a new chilling tale, courtesy of John and his talented crew of voice performers. In fact, a recent episode of Creepy's 31 Days of Horror features the short story version of one of our very own Halloween episodes from a few years back, written by yours truly. A certain heartwarming tale of pumpkin carving and bonding with Grandpa over some rather dastardly Halloween traditions. So, hey, that's worth the price of admission right there, which is zero, in fact. Check out Creepy Podcast wherever you listen. And uh, that includes Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, all the usual suspects. So enjoy the season and have a listen to some spooky tales, one of which is coming up. Happy Halloween. Welcome, friend. Have a seat by the fire. Make yourself comfortable. The stone pit seemed bottomless, a gaping abyss. Its interior partially obscured by the smoke which drifted upward to the roof of this vast Neolithic chamber. The creeping black mist, oh yes, it was surely alive. An entity with a will of its own. Its voice beckoned, called to them, and sang of blasphemy, filling their ears with a chorus of lost souls. You're listening to Campfire Radio Theater. Tonight, during this most unholy of seasons, we present a haunting tale from the pit of John Ballantyne, a blood offering to the old Hallow's Eve God with perhaps a dash of inspiration from the late great Arch Oberler. The play is called The Thing on the Ground Floor. So, okay. Are we ready? We're rolling tape on this. Right, rolling audio and video. Excellent. Are you comfortable, Miss Timmons? Yes. You need something to drink? Water? Tea? I'm fine. Good. Let's, um, let's take it from the beginning, shall we? You were a producer for the law enforcement reality show Busted. That's correct. And the incident we're about to discuss took place this past October 31st. Nearly a year ago. Now, for obvious reasons, the segment never aired, but we're going to watch some footage taken over the course of that evening. And I have questions I'll ask, and if you have comments to add, please do. Sure. Again, this is not an interrogation. I know you've been grilled by every government agency imaginable at this point. We just want to clarify some things, and hopefully further illuminate what took place. So no worries, you can speak candidly, all right? Right, okay. 
Is this interview going to be broadcast? Only with your consent. It's a chance to tell the public your side of the story. There's still a lot of misconceptions, conspiracy theories. Some even think that this was all just an elaborate hoax. Really? I had no idea. Now, as an on-site producer, you use multiple cameras when you conduct a ride-along with the officer. Can you tell me a little more about that? Yes, um, we have a single camera that follows the action as it develops, along with the cameras mounted on the cruiser, as well as body cams on the officers. Everyone is mic'd, and additional microphones record surround sound and background ambience for the broadcast. That footage is edited to produce each segment. And what do you do as a producer? Keep things on track, ask pertinent questions, make sure we're recording everything that might be of interest to the audience. And that's the role you were serving on the evening of October 31st, 2019? Yes. Your profile says you majored in journalism at BYU. Uh, Right, I'm not Mormon, I just, you know, studied there. And you had aspirations of working for some major news media outlets. Yeah. So, why Busted, a cop's reality show? Gotta pay the bills somehow, right? (laughs) It's not so easy when you're fresh out of school. I see. Scary, actually. How many segments have you produced for the show? Uh, About a dozen, give or take. So, a police ride-along was nothing new for you? It was fairly routine. You know, the usual drunken, disorderly situations, domestic disputes, drug and gang activity, but nothing, nothing, well, nothing like what happened. Nothing (laughs) prepared me for that. Cue item number one from the tape. Do you recognize this sound? I'll never forget it. What exactly is that? What makes that sound, Miss Timmons? Roll the tape, you'll see. Trying to run from the long arm of the law Big man with a badge and a gun Surely come to call No honor amongst the thieves All the people that you trust in The only thing that you're gonna get out of this life now Is busted Cause you're busted <laughs> That's right, down. Busting. Yes, yeah, you're busting. You got all the equipment out of the van? Yeah, should be everything. Okay. Backup batteries, lights, tripod, all that? A tripod? Who does fix shots with this kind of show, Trisha? Everything's fluid and moving. Just want to be prepared, okay? There's only so much room in the cruiser. Just chill. I got it covered. I'm your guy. 
Are, right? Are you recording now? No. Shut down the camera and stop wasting battery. Hey, hey, hey. Hold that pose. What? There's this, uh, demonic glint in your eyes when you're pissed. Really, Judd? Really? Jesus, again? What do we look like here, kids? Willy Wonka. Don't be cool. There's treats in your camera bag. Hey, kids! Check this out. Can we have candy now? Because I'm really hungry. <laughs> How am I going to beat this nicotine thing if you just keep handing out all of my stash? Oh, please. <laughs> Here you go, guys. Ooh, Happy, Halloween. You. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Thank you. Don't eat too much of it or your teeth will fall out. I got a rock. Great. Now, I'm probably going to eat a pack of marbles. Uh, not during the shoot. Getting on my last nerve, Timmons. Hi there, Officer Coward. I'm Trish Timmons. Nice to meet you, sir. Yeah, nice to meet you. So, we have fixed cameras mounted inside and outside your cruiser. Judd here will be sitting in the back seat with the mobile camera. I'll sit next to you up front and we'll conduct things interview style until you get a call or whatever. If that sounds good? Sure. Great. Officer Coward. That's an interesting name for a police officer. Judd, please, stop. <laughs> uh, I've heard it all before. I'm assuming you guys don't normally hang out on the side of town? Not as a general rule. Well, it can be interesting to say the least. When we exit the car, just stay close and, uh, well, you've been briefed on the protocol, right? Definitely. Okay, let's load up and we'll be on our way. Treasure treat! Son of a... So are things active on an evening like this? Are they more active, less active, the same? Yeah, it's Halloween, so more pedestrians out. Kids doing the whole trick-or-treat thing. Usually we run into shenanigans in certain neighborhoods. You know, older kids. So, how long have you been on the force, Officer Coward? Oh, let's see. Next June, it'll be eight years. Wow. So I guess you've pretty much seen it all. All I want to see. It's a big city, so we stay hopping most nights. Especially on this side of town. Hey, so, um, what's the worst thing you've seen since you've been on the force? It's kind of tough to narrow it down. Um, seen a few nasty accidents. Murder scenes get pretty grisly sometimes. And these street gangs try to outdo each other. Some neighborhoods are war zones. I guess most recently I ran into a young kid tortured by a gang at Rome's Miller Boulevard. Real bad scene. Some things, you know, you just cannot see. Unit 101, respond to drunk driver collision near North Clearview. 522 Oak, code 1055. Uh, this is Unit 101, I copy. I'm en route to 522 Oak. Be advised, an officer is on the scene. Copy that. What's a 1055? Intoxicated driver. This kind of thing happens every night. Hold on. All right, what do we have here? Male African-American on the sidewalk struck by a drunk driver. Non-life-threatening injuries, as far as I can tell. EMS is en route. Hit and run? Nah, driver lost control and struck that uh, hydrant over there. 
the blue minivan. And she's still in the vehicle, doesn't appear to be hurt. Anyone call City Water to shut off that water line? They're on it right now. Hello there. Uh, Ma'am, what's your name? Uh, Can I see your driver's license, please? Yes, sir. Ma'am, I'm going to need you to step out of the vehicle. Have you ever taken a sobriety test before? Yeah, yeah, I know Eugene. Easy now. Watch your step. Easy, easy. Now, look, I may be going out on a limb here, but I think you've had a few drinks tonight. Maybe been to a party? Is that a cat costume? What in Christ was that? Holy... Whoa! Uh, uh, probably a meth house a few blocks over. This is Unit 101. Look, we're gonna need CFD, fire, and rescue on the scene at North Clearview. We got an explosion of some sort a few blocks from our current location. I'm gonna check things out. Jesus, look at that fireball. Copy that, 101. We are dispatching fire and rescue team. Advise as needed. Ma'am, stay with your vehicle. All right, we'll get back to you, okay? Wow, this is nuts. Come on, make sure we get this. Judd, now? I, yes. Jesus, the whole building is gone. Quiet, Judge. Just record the scene. This is 101. We have a three-story building that has completely collapsed. Probably structural damage to the apartment high-rise next to it. It's an old building. Copy, 101. Fire units are dispatched. There's someone in the apartment building. All right, I'm going to take a look. Are you kidding? That place can't be stable. <sighs> Occupational hazard. Let's go, Judd. Come on. Hell no. I did not sign up for this. Come on. Hey, look. You can both wait here. No worries. Jesus, Judge, you're such a chicken. Look, look. There's somebody stumbling out of there. Oh, my God. Right, take it easy, buddy. Easy. Oh, dear God. Oh, we got to get out of here. Whoa, buddy. <laughs> Paramedics are on the way. Let's just sit it out right here, okay? You don't understand. Sit down. Take a load off. It's coming. Joe, what are you doing? Come on, keep the camera on him. He's missing half of his face. How is he even standing upright? Probably in shock. Stay with him. What happened in there? Can you tell me? The experiment down in the basement. It went bad. It opened something. Unlocked some kind of shadow people. What the hell is he on? <laughs> Released what? Smoke. Thick black smoke. It's gotta be right out of the fires of hell, man. All the things it'll do to you. And it speaks. It whispers things. Is there anybody else in the building? Well, the shadows. The shadows live down there in the smoke. It's like a bad, bad trip, man. And it don't end. What we got? Looks like exploding meth labs are joining each other. This guy got the worst of it. Sir, are there more people inside? Oh, no, not not people. Monsters. Monsters. Let's get them on a stretcher. One, two, three. 
Three. Put them on a jet before the pain really kicks in. Just stay away from the black smoke. Well, trick or freaking treat. Any smokers here? Can I bum one? All right, we need to check the building, make a complete sweep. Officer, we're kind of a little short-handed tonight. You want to come with me? Yeah, sure. Your camera crew, are they a part of this? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, uh, we're doing a segment for Busted. Okay, just hang close. What's your name, sir? Uh, yeah, Chief Blake Burroughs, uh, City Fire and Rescue. Hey, Jake, take a couple of guys on the upper floors. Check it out, in and out quick. Radio me if you find anything. Officer Coward and I will inspect the ground floor and basement. Got it. Let's hit it. Come on, let's go. You need hazmat gear, masks? Uh, we got our guys checking air quality. Yeah, everything reads clear so far. But, uh, you know, if we get inside, something throws a red flag, we'll, we'll evacuate. So, uh, uh, what's red flag look like? Uh, you're safe. Just follow our lead. All right, let's hustle, boys. This place looks abandoned. Graffiti on the walls, trash everywhere. Hey, be careful now. Use needles right there, right there on the floor. Dispatch, this is 101. Any info on this apartment high rise at North Clearview? Checking now, 101. The complex is known as the Talbot Building and owned by a Dr. Solomon Merchant. We haven't been able to reach him so far. Doesn't appear to be any residents there. Probably just junkies and homeless people. Oh, I, I do not have a good feeling about this, guys. This building's gonna have to be condemned, no doubt about it. Yeah, you think? Check out all the water damage. The structure can't be very sound. What was that? What? I, I thought I saw someone at the end of the hallway. Hello, anybody there? You need to evacuate. What in Christ was that? Shh. I'll check it out. Keep the camera on him, Judd. Follow him. Hello? That does not sound like Shh. human to me. You know that, that scream? Hello? It's very important we clear this building as quickly as possible. You're not in any kind of trouble, okay? There's an open door. Must have ducked in there. Hey, shine your light in there. It's pretty dark. Hey, anybody in here? You're gonna have to evacuate the premises, understand? Hmm, what's up with your radio? I don't know, have feedback or something. Try yours. This is Chief Burroughs. You guys finding anything on the upper floors? Negative on that, Chief. It's a ghost fill up here. Copy that. What is that? Where? Over next to the window. Sir, we've got to evacuate. We need... What the hell is that? Run, goddammit! Get out of here! God almighty! Where is the exit? Where's the exit? I don't see an exit. Too much smoke on the other end. Come on, this way. 
It's a stairwell. We need an exit. Upper floors are blocked by debris. <coughs> oh, let's go down. Sure had claws. Maybe, maybe that junkie, the one with the half face. Maybe he was right, huh? There's some mess still going on here. Still recording. Yeah, it's, it's too dark though. I can't really make out much. Don't you have night vision mode? Shit. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's better. What are you doing down ah! here? Oh, Oh my god. Oh god. Dude? Again, what are you two doing down uh, here? What are you doing down here? Don't you know they're evacuating the whole block? This is my building. Wait a minute, you're Solomon? S Solomon. Uh, Dr. Solomon, uh, Solomon, merchant. Why are you down here in the dark? Look, man, don't answer that. I don't even want to know. What you do here in the basement of your own building is your own business, okay? The authorities think a meth lab exploded next door. Come on, Trisha. Is, is that what happened? Trisha! Possibly. So is that the kind of business you're into down here? Trisha! No. But there is a lab down here. Uh, what kind of lab? Dude. Uh, who's that? Never mind her. Events have taken quite a toll on my assistant, Miss Blackwell. Please, follow me. She's just going to keep going on like this, unfortunately. There you go, dear. Just watch the spinning princess. That's right. Come along. Just keep rolling. Record everything. This is the story of a lifetime. We're not eyewitness news, Trisha. Excuse me, Dr. Merchant? Yes? There's something upstairs that attacked us. Do you know anything about that? Yes, yes, that would be Carl, my other assistant. Very unfortunate what happened to him. You are kidding, right? This way. Wait, what happened to him? <laughs> is this place? This is my work. This place is huge. Stumbled onto it some years ago. Fortunately, property values in this neighborhood are at a bargain. I was able to purchase it for next to nothing, relatively speaking. Several subterranean chambers under this piece of real estate have proven rather fruitful for my experiments. Experiments? Yes. You see, we're standing on something of a fault line of sorts. Only reveals itself once a year. 
releases a thick black smoke rising from that pit there in front of us. Uh, so, is something burning down there? Burning underground? My friend, there is always something burning underground. It looks like some kind of stone well. How deep does it go? Deeper than I've been able to measure. You see above us? That shaft funnels the smoke upwards to the roof of this building into the atmosphere where it dissipates, becomes harmless. Unfortunately, the venting mechanism has been damaged due to our rather careless meth-head friends next door. Is that smoke toxic? If one comes into contact with it, yes. Most definitely. Okay, well, I really hate the exploding meth house screwed up your haunted attraction. Uh, you know, better luck next year, but we need to be on our way, so come on. Judd! This building was constructed in 1922. They knew exactly what they were doing when they built it over this site. It was a way to keep this phenomenon, for lack of a better term, hidden from curious eyes. A way to control it, study it, perhaps even worship it. But over time, they lost interest, took for granted what they had found here, and eventually this temple became their tomb. What's here? What is this place? A doorway, an opening to the underworld. The fires, always burning. Are we over an active volcano or something? Yes, and no. Whoa! This place is coming down! We need to get out of here! Before you go, I need your assistance. You see that large valve there next to the pit? It opens the vents, which release the smoke. It's stuck. We need to open it fully. It's going to take at least two of us to loosen it. I don't... I don't know, man. If the smoke is released into the city at ground level, it will be a catastrophic event. Are you sure about this? We cannot risk losing containment. Dude, I'm tripping. I can't believe... This is not a game. <sighs> oh, okay. Okay, man, let's just do it. Follow me over the gantry. There are steps on the other side. So, exactly what happens if we come in contact with the smoke? I'm sure you don't want to know. No, I do want to know. Let's just make sure that doesn't happen. Now watch your step. What is that? Heated rock magma. It can make some rather odd noises. Christ, what the hell is burning down there? Here we are. You take one side of the wheel. I've got the other. Okay. Trish, right, you want to grab the camera? Yeah, got it. All right, righty tighty, lefty loosey, right? That is correct. All right, get a tight grip and twist. It has to be. It's not moving. There's only one option. And what's that? We run like hell. Warn the others. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm on board with that. Yeah, me too. I suspect this building is destined to collapse on itself sooner rather than later. Unfortunately, the debris should seal the pit. Yeah, this chamber's already filling with smoke. Indeed. Come with me. Here, Trish, I got the camera. 
Where are we going? There's another stairwell that leads to a rear exit. And if that's blocked too, then what? She's really taking this well, isn't she? How long has she been like this? Several days, ever since she witnessed what happened to Carl. Yeah, can you give a little clarification on that? What exactly- Please keep moving. The smoke is drifting up the stairwell. Ah, uh, I think she's headed the wrong way. What is she doing? Come back, Miss Blackwell. Come back up the stairs. She's headed right for the smoke. Miss Blackwell! The grip on reality has been very fragile since Carl's mutation. Mutation? Yes. Well, it seems various subjects respond to the smoke in different ways. She's gone mad, dog. Yo, Miss Blackwell! You said the smoke was lethal. We need to grab her! There's no reasoning with her. She's fallen to madness. She could die! I can't even see the bottom of the steps anymore. It's too late. To hell with you. Miss Blackwell! Come back! Trish! Miss Blackwell! Come back! It's too late. have been listening to Campfire Radio Theater. Tonight's tale, The Thing on the Ground Floor, was the first of a two-part audio play written, directed, and produced by John Ballantyne. Featured in the cast were Tanya Milovich as Trisha, John Bell as Dr. Merchant, Linda Waterwick as the interviewer, Mike Fox as Judd, Owen McEwen as Officer Coward, John Ballantyne as Fire Chief Burroughs, Kevin Hotnell as the injured man, and Erica Sanderson as Miss Blackwell and the police dispatcher.
also featured were Blaine Hicklin, Jessica Roberts, Teresa Ballantyne, Amelia Hicklin, James Hicklin, M.J. Hotnell, and Avon Hotnell. Production assistance by Michael Davidson. Original music score by Kevin Hotnell. Additional music by Kevin McLeod. Sound design by Evan Anderson and John Ballantyne. Additional sound courtesy of Free Sound Project. Mixing and post-production by John Ballantyne. Share the horror and visit us at CampfireRadioTheatre.com and on Facebook at Campfire Radio Theatre. Again, that was The Thing on the Ground Floor, Part 1, by Campfire Radio Theatre. For more information and episodes, including their premiere release of Part 2 of the story, visit CampfireRadioTheatre.podbean.com. And as Campfire Radio mentioned, if you like creepy pasta stories... Check out Creepy, a horror podcast by John Grills, whom you may recognize from his earlier work, Small Town Horror. Creepy is chock full of original horror works, both narrated and dramatized, and is the perfect place to get your Halloween horror fix. You can find them at creepypod.com. And that's it for tonight. Thank you for joining us once again for another hour of audio dramas. And don't forget to check out The Craft next week at this same time for their original Halloween special. We'll meet back up with you in November, same bat time, same bat channel, with more audio drama tales. In the meantime, you can check out our website at midnightaudiotheater.com, email us at midnightaudiotheater at gmail.com, and like our Facebook page. Until next time, audio drama fans, this is Kathy Ranella signing off. And be sure to stay tuned. The BBC World News is coming up next. (laughs) 